Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. All right, on that note, um, we have a great message uh, for this morning. Uh, I'm so glad we get to be together today. I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we get to worship, to be here, to stand and exalt God together. We have, we have Dave that came to do worship from Crawley this morning, and it's great to have him over. Um, and uh, and um, yeah, we, I'm so happy we get to, to do this today. If it's your first time with us, a big welcome. My name is Kevin, Sharon and I, we lead the congregation here. But actually Kingdom Faith is much bigger than just us. We have congregations all around uh, the UK, but here, closer to here, we have one in Crawley, Worthing and Horsham. Um, and so yeah, it's great to have you with us. We've been uh, over the last few weeks in a series on the book of Romans. And um, it's been so good, right? We, we've really felt, as a leadership that God spoke to us clearly about the importance of going through that book and taking our time through it as well. That it wasn't simply great teaching from, I don't know why I'm still using this actually. Um, Let's switch that. You know, sometimes you realize um, after a while you're like, oh, why am I holding this thing? I've got this thing plugged in. Anyhow, you know, it's live, it's happening, things things are good. Um, so uh, it, that, it's not simply great teaching by the Apostle Paul, although it is great teaching by the Apostle Paul, but really felt like God was saying that there is also a prophetic edge to that book for our culture, for our society, for us today. And so we've been making our way through chapter one of Romans, and we've been looking in details at the verses, but also the choice of words that Paul uses, because we know that each of those words are inspired by God, and so they're not chosen by mistake. They're really uh, just, yeah, purposefully chosen for what God wants to say through the Apostle Paul. Now, last week, Pastor Clive shared about the apostleship and us living sent uh, to bring the life of the kingdom wherever we are. The week before, we looked at being slaves to Christ and not lo- no longer being slaves to sin and how God had redeemed us from that to bring us into relationship with him. So it's been really good so far. Now, we're making a bit of progress through chapter 1 today. We're going to look at verses 16 to 20 of chapter 1, which is very exciting. Now, the message today is called the redemptive wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God or wrath of God, I've had this debate all week, guys. I'm not British, right? So all week I've been like, wrath, and someone says wrath, and I'm like, okay, wrath, then someone says wrath, and I'm like, (laughs) so wrath of wrath, you, you get the point, yeah? This is what the message is about, the redemptive wrath of God. And as a whole church, every congregation, we're looking at those few verses, 16 to 20 of Romans 1. Now, the wrath of God isn't exactly an appealing subject, right? As, as humans or as whatever, we, we would love to focus on the love of God, the grace of God, and all those good feelings that it makes us feel, you know? But actually, it's the beauty of going through a book like the book of Romans and not, you know, choosing to speak on the love of God. Because going through a book, you can't avoid certain subjects, certain things that are in that book, but actually we're going to find out that even in talking about subjects like this one, there's actually beauty and love in God's wrath as well. So verses 16 to 20, get your Bible out, Romans chapter 1, uh, give me a hand if you're there, you're there, Romans chapter 1, 16 to 20, good, um, we're going to read it together, I have it on my iPad, um, 
I have my physical Bible, but it's in the backpack. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank you, Jesus. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Loads in there, isn't there? Four verses. Paul has a gift to pack so much into so few words, so little sentences. So it's going to take us a bit of time to unpack it all, but I assure you it's going to be good. Now, you know how people sometimes come up to you and they say, uh, do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Yeah, have you heard that before? Good news first, bad news first. Uh, who's a good news first kind of person? No one. Who's a bad news first kind of person? All right. I guess so you think, well, we can only go up from here once you got the bad news. So maybe that's, uh, that's easier. Well, um, do you know, uh, actually the gospel, the word gospel means good news, right? And, uh, but, but to appreciate that good news, we really need to understand that there is bad news as well. And so we'll start off with a bit of what can seem like bad news today. And we'll see that even in that there is good to be found. Verse 18 of what we just read says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So what is the wrath of God and how has it been revealed? And to understand really God's wrath, I think I have to start a bit earlier on or understand other aspects of who God is and his character to really illustrate why there is God's wrath. So, two different aspects of who God is. His holiness and his righteousness. Holiness and righteousness. Now, holiness and righteousness can almost seem like synonyms, right? Like, what is truly the difference between holiness and righteousness? So, I came up with a little story to illustrate a bit the difference, the difference between the two. Hopefully, this will help. Uh, it's, you know, an illustration. So, take a footballer right? We all like football. Um, take a footballer and let's say he plays for Brighton. We got a devoted Brighton fan in the room in the presence of Trev. So the footballer plays for Brighton, right? Brighton team. That player, because he plays for Brighton, has been declared good enough, right? Good enough to be part of that team. He's been bought. He's been put on the pitch. He plays whatever position. He scores goal. He makes passes. He's good enough to be on that team, right? From a young age, he set himself apart from that purpose, for that purpose, right? He's been working on his skills. He's been playing five-a-side as a kid. He's been playing in different clubs. He's been living that life and continues to practice and improve as he plays for the club. See, in this analogy, righteousness is the player's position in the Brighton football club. 
right? He has been given that position. His talents have been approved of and he belongs to the team. And on that pitch, they've paid a fee for him. He is there. He is theirs. He is righteous to be there, if you'd like, right? Now, holiness is the player's dedication and devotion to his sport, his art, his skill, right? Everything in his life, what he eats, who he hangs out with, how he spends his time, how he spends his money, bows to that purpose of being a football player for Brighton. Now, hopefully this helps you clarify a bit what is righteousness and what is holiness. Righteousness is he has a right to be there. He's been validated. He is part of that team. Holiness is everything he's, he's set apart for that purpose. He's setting himself apart for that purpose, training every day, eating only good stuff, only the lettuce and whatever, and, 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 and playing drills every day, not going to hang out with friends, all the sacrifices he's making so that he is a good player. That is what the holiness part is. Now, hopefully, that helps understand both terms. And God is both righteous and, both, uh, and, hol- both righteous and holy. See, if you look at verse 17, it mentions God's righteousness. It's saying that it has been revealed in the gospel, in this good news. God is righteous, right? He's the only one that is truly righteous, that has always been right, that will forever be right. And anything unrighteous can simply not be part of who he is. And God is also holy. He's set apart. He is pure. And anything that isn't holy simply cannot be in his presence because of his holiness because of his righteousness let's see what other verses in the bible say about it all first peter 1 15 to 16 says just listen to this but just as he who is called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy so the lord is holy ephesians 4 uh, 24 says and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, we see that God is both righteous and holy. And because he's both righteous and holy, any wickedness, anything less than holy, pure, set apart, all of that would not be permitted in his presence. So, what is God's wrath? N.T. writer, a famous theologian, he uh, wrote a book about Roman, that's it, the word there, commentary. He wrote all of that, and he says this in very fancy words that I'm going to translate for myself after this because he's hard to follow sometimes, but he says, unless God remains implacably opposed to the evil that distorts and defaces creation, not least humanity, God is not good. Paul's whole theology is grounded in the robust, scripturally rooted view that the Creator is neither a tyrant nor an absentee landlord, but rather the Creator and lover of the world. The result is God's wrath, not just an attitude of hostility towards idolatry and immorality, but also actions that follow from that attitude. So what is a fancy man saying? He's saying... Unless God remains, opposes himself to anything that is not good, that is wicked, that is godless in a way, 
then he is not good. He is not God, right? As of himself, because of his holiness, because of his righteousness, he has to stand against those things. Because he loves his creation so much, he has to stand against those things. The result is the wrath of God. Not just that he says he opposes it, but he does something about it. Because God is righteous in his goodness, but he's also good, there is wrath against all the wickedness and unrighteousness of the world. So we could, put, we could say it like this. God's wrath is his righteous anger against everything that is not of him. Everything that is not holy or has not been made righteous. And that is why I needed to explain what holiness and righteousness are first so that we can understand why there is God's wrath. Now, God's wrath isn't reckless rage, right? We need to clarify some stuff. It isn't reckless rage. It isn't uncontrollable anger. It isn't senseless vengeance. It's a precise and controlled response to everything that comes against his righteousness. And because we are born sinners, we are born unrighteous, we wouldn't be able to stand in the presence of God. We would be subjects to his wrath as we would come right against his holiness, right? Paul says later on in Romans chapter 3 that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that none are righteous. But you know what? God also loves his creation. He loves his creation and he does not want it to perish. And here we're getting to the good news, right? We must never forget that the most important aspect of who God is, is that he is love. God is love. He doesn't choose to love like humans do and can withhold love because I don't like you no more. No, he is love. God loves his creation. The word says that he will never leave us, never forsake us, that he's always there for us, that he wants us to prosper, to thrive, to live a life of unity with him. And as we saw last week, that he has a purpose for us in that life of unity as well. So how does God reconcile his love for us and his wrath for sin and righteousness, everything that is not holy and righteous? Here comes the good news. How does he reconcile both? Enters Jesus, enters the cross, right? The cross is where God's love and wrath collide in one place. The cross is what makes a way for us to be made righteous. And how are we made righteous? By faith in Jesus. Verse 17, right? We read it earlier. Romans 1, 17 says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We are the righteous ones. We have been made righteous. We have been validated by God because we have faith in what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. We live by faith, believing what he accomplished for me, for you, for all, right? Jesus being in every way perfect, being the son of God, not having given into any sin in any way, became that perfect sacrifice, He was the only one able to take on the wrath of God on that cross. And I'm going to cheat a little bit, but 
don't tell anyone else, right? We're going to jump to Romans chapter 5 and get ahead of the game. Uh, we're going to read from verse 6 to 11, and we'll probably reread it when we get to chapter 5 properly later. But for now, verse 6 to 11, it, it's so good. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God, I love this, but God demonstrate his own love. Can you say love? love. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? See, the both are linked. You cannot dissociate either. The wrath and the love of God are linked. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we will boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God. We can come boldly, the word says, to the foot of the throne in faith, worship him, have that relationship with him because of what Jesus did on the cross. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love triumphs over everything else. Can you imagine how vast, how great, how perfect God's love must be for him to send his own son for us? For him to know there's actually one solution. There's one solution for his righteous anger, not to affect his creation, and that is to send his son in that moment, take the full impact, the pain, the death on the cross. But because he loves you so much, because he loves us so much, because he longs for relationship with his creation, because God's desire is to see everyone saved, then it's worth it. It's worth it. So Jesus comes in full obedience, goes to the cross and takes on God's wrath in that moment, so we didn't have to. And that is how it says in verse 18, God's wrath is being revealed today because we can always look back to the cross. We can always look back to that moment and know in that moment, Jesus did it all. He did it all for us. He took on all sins, unrighteousness, wickedness, sickness, all the negatives that were not of God and that weren't his best were put on the cross in that moment. The cross is like a lightning rod, a lightning conductor for all of the wrath of God. And so everything that sets itself up against righteousness, the gospel, the good news, what Jesus accomplished, deals with it. That is the power of the gospel that we live in today, that is made available to you, to me, to everyone. It says verse 16. Let's put verse 16 back up. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The word power there 
is the word dunamis, is where we get our word dynamite from in English. Right? The power of the gospel, this good news, what happened on the cross, Jesus overcame, dealt with everything that could separate us from God. He said it is finished, and the dynamis, the power, blows off anything that comes and sets itself up against the righteousness of God. So you know how often as Christians we say if, if a situation comes up or something's happening, we say, well, let's, let's bring it to the foot of the cross, or let's, let's leave it at the foot of the cross. Why? Because that power, that verse 16, the power of God, the power of the gospel is that dunamis. Every time we put our faith in that, it blows off anything that comes against it. Nothing can stand against the power, the might, the greatness of our God. So when Paul speaks of the power of the gospel, he's saying if you have faith, if you believe in what Jesus has accomplished, anything can be blown off, anything can be taken away, anything can be redeemed. That is the good news of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. It's so good. This is like, I don't know, it's like Christmas, you know? It's, uh, it's just, it's just, ah, oh, such good news. We live in such good news. We live in the good of all of that. And I think sometimes we go through our day and we don't realize, right? We take it for granted. We just don't think, hey, Jesus, thank you. Thank you yet again because I can live another, another day in the good of what you have done for me. Now, we call this week the redemptive wrath of God. Why do we call it the redemptive? Because in expressing his wrath, in revealing his wrath, as Paul says, in the way he did on the cross, God displayed his love for us. He redeemed us, made us acceptable, made us clean in his eyes. And Hebrews 10 Hebrews 10 is an incredible chapter, right? And it goes through, through so much of that truth of what happened on the cross. So I just want to take a minute to read that together. Hebrews 10, we're going to start at verse 11 and go through verse 18. And it says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for... So when this priest, talking about Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus there. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Thank you, Jesus. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. No more. We have been made perfect in his eyes. We are being made holy. That process called sanctification, right? As we live, as we devote ourselves to God, as our minds are being renewed, as we are constantly being changed into his likeness, that is being made holy. That is the process of sanctification. 
And today we are living in the good of the finished work of the cross where the wrath of God was satisfied. You and me can live in the good of what has been accomplished simply by believing. The only requirement is faith. Faith that God is God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he died for our sins. And so in that moment, when we give our lives back to God, we give our lives to him, we surrender it to him, we come back to week one, being a slave to Christ, being a, a servant of Christ. And slave, again, we saw, is a strong word, but when you understand the meaning of it, when you understand the background in which Paul is saying it, means, hey, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. My protection, you have it. My provision, you have it. My life is yours, but it also means that everything that I am is yours as well, right? The word says, remain in me and I will remain in you. We have the fullness of God inside of us that lives in our heart through his Holy Spirit. The fullness of all of that is in us every single day. God is good. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Such powerful verses. Yeah. But it's good to remind ourselves because obviously you're sitting here and you, know, you probably all know the cross and Jesus and all of that. But it is good to go through it like that. Put it in perspective. Remind ourselves, actually, yeah, this is all was done for me so that I could have a relationship with my Savior. It's so key. So let's just pray as we finish. And then Sharon will come back and she'll have a few announcements for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Jesus, I thank you for your obedience to the cross, for going there for me, for every one of my sins, of my mess-ups, of my... Oh, you have taken everything, every sickness, everything has to bow down to your name, Lord, to who you are. Father, I thank you, Lord, for making a way for me to have a relationship with you, for making a way for us all to have a relationship with you. We do not, not any longer have to live under your wrath, but we can live under your love and the goodness of what you have accomplished on the cross. Father, today we stand in awe of you, in awe of your love, of the sacrifice you made, and of everything that you do for us daily, Lord. Daily, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We are here to serve you, to serve your kingdom. We say, me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Me and my house, we are at your service, Father. Thank you for everything you have done for us. In Jesus' name we prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.